The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world, and thank you for tuning in today for The Career Confidant. We are here every week, as you know, if you've been listening, to provide you with the resources, tools, and information that you need to take control of your own career direction. So as our world becomes so much more fast-paced and global, companies are really expecting you as an individual to be in control of your career, to know where you want to go and how you want to get there. And for us as individuals, that is challenging, right? We maybe we're used to a company taking care of us and telling us where to go. Or maybe we're young and we're okay with this idea of being in charge of our career. But yet we run into these roadblocks of HR managers saying, why are you job hopping? When in fact, that's kind of what the market is encouraging. Or we don't have the skill set that we need and jump before we realize that that may be the case. So we've talked a lot in this show about some of those career issues and planning and market research, paying attention to where things are going so that you can be on top of your game and have the skills that you need to move where you want to move. And trends can sometimes be confusing. So maybe a year ago, we talked about career development trends and what some of those terms meant, like portfolio career and all of those confusing terms that my industry, the careers industry, likes to throw around. And today I wanted to address some other trends that I see coming up, specifically with the resume. And so we're going to call this show, Before You Do That Cool New Thing on Your Resume, Ask This. So before you jump into following this article that you've read that tells you the greatest new thing you should do with your resume, I want you you to ask yourself this. Does that make sense for my target audience? Does that cool new thing make sense for your target audience? Of course, that assumes that we know in some way who our target audience is, what types of companies, geography, a little bit about the company culture. And of course, we can't know everything about our target audience and we can't 
assume everything they'll be thinking. But I can tell you that a hiring manager at a traditional company, like a meatpacking company or a engines company that's been around forever, is probably going to have certain expectations, more traditional expectations, than a hiring manager at Google, Apple, that cool game programming company that you love, right? They're going to have different expectations and you may obviously get away with being more trendy at one versus the other. So let's jump in here with the things that you might think about and ask yourself, does that make sense for my target audience before you jump into doing some of these cool new things on your resume? Cool new thing number one, using first person on your resume. So I, me, my, you've probably seen articles talking about the human voice in your resume and how you should write especially your summary to tell your story and use that first person language to make it more accessible. Not a bad strategy if you are applying to more contemporary companies. If you're applying to more traditional companies, they are going to see that use of the first person in your resume as unprofessional. They expect it in a cover letter. It's expected on your LinkedIn profile. Your resume, according to those traditional people, is going to be more of a formal document where you, yes, are telling your story, but you're doing it in a professional way. Now, I would say that as we go through the list today, I'll probably say this a lot. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. You do not have to use I, me, and my in your resume to tell your story. You can do it in short little sound bites that start with a verb, just like any traditional resume, and you can still tell your story. In fact, probably the most powerful stories you can tell are specific accomplishment stories from your work. A lot of times when we get into I, me, and my language and we think we tell our story, what we're actually doing a lot of times is spewing a lot of generic junk in the, in the, under the auspice of it being a great story. Stories are great and they should be specific to you, something that you've done, something that you've accomplished, and short little sound bites can tend to have less of the generic junk than flowery statements. So, before you jump into thinking that you need that first person language to tell your story, consider your audience. That first person language may be acceptable in your resume, and I'd still watch out for being overly flowery, overly focused on using generic language because that is really not your story, right? That's the story that you think you should be telling. Short, crisp stories, whether you use first person or not, are going to be preferred by your hiring managers, especially on your resume, which is considered to be that kind of formal, fact-based document that complements a more accessible first-person LinkedIn profile and or 
cover letter. So before you use that cool new thing, that first person language, which is trending from certain people to tell you that it's trending, think, does that make sense for my audience? Does it make sense for how I want to brand myself? Or is that first person language better used somewhere else for me and my audience? Second thing, cool new thing to do on your resume is to make it graphic, right? We are obsessed with infographics. A few things around infographics. One, very simple superficial thought here. When you use those graphics, they don't go through an applicant tracking system. So whatever great data you have in there, uh, sales data, accomplishment data, it doesn't go through an applicant tracking system. So if you're applying online, that's not getting through. It's not being scored by that system to help determine whether or not you get an interview. And it's not being looked at by the first reviewer of that data on the other end. May or may not make sense for your target audience. Again, if you're not applying online, may not matter. Second consideration, graphics, good graphics, tell a story. Most of the infographic resumes I see use graphics for the sake of graphics that don't really do anything. They don't really add any value. They're not telling a story. They're not building a picture of this person's success. So be careful with your graphics. Do they tell a story? Do they actually help you understand something you want to know about a candidate? And you can look at infographic resumes on Pinterest and you'll see pretty quickly, I hope, the difference between those where it's a bunch of graphics crammed together or it's a bunch of graphics that maybe tell a story but they don't tell a story an employer would want to know. They're all over the place. Someone on Pinterest that was kind of told this person's story and all the things they're interested in, great, but an employer doesn't care, right? An employer wants to know the things that will help you do their job better. So when you're thinking about those graphics, they need to have a purpose. They need to be balanced with content if you're applying online so that that content gets through the scanners. And lastly, I would say that a lot of more traditional employers are not ready for your infographic resume. I have a hiring manager friend who works for a larger company that makes measuring devices for environmental testing and made the comment to me, oh, I got this cool infographic resume. Do you think this person's from Europe? So if you're in Europe, maybe they do work better than here in the United States. And then kind of made the offhanded comment of, yeah, the resume was cool, but there's no way we're interviewing this person. A traditional resume or more traditional resume with some graphic elements may have done better in that company than that cool new thing that's called an infographic resume. So think about it. Does it make sense for your audience? Does it make sense for what you do, that role you play? A mechanical engineer, which is one of the ineffective res infographic resumes I saw on Pinterest, you know, a mechanical engineer really 
it would have to be a special case where an infographic resume might make sense. Those graphics or engines or, I don't know, graphs of engines they've created. But it has to make sense. It has to tell a story that is relevant to the employer you're applying to. Obviously, if you're in graphic design, marketing on a design role, any kind of creative role, the more graphic your resume could be and, and you could get away with it, right? And those graphics would be things that, again, should tell the story of how you add value. You don't want to cram your portfolio onto a resume, right? That's what your portfolio is for. The resume is to communicate your business value. How are you going to walk through the door and add bottom line, top line value to that organization? Graphics that help you tell that story? Perfect. Graphics for the sake of graphics? Diluting that message. Use multimedia. Use your portfolio. Use those other mediums to give that picture the visual, use the resume to communicate your business value. That's the piece of the hiring puzzle that it fits into. So as you're thinking about your resume, obviously we're talking here today about making some of these decisions of what to do and the cool new things you might incorporate based on your target audience and based on the position that you are applying for. What makes sense for someone in your role to communicate their value? Of course you want to stand out. I want you to stand out in the best way. I don't want you to stand out as that infographic resume that some weird person sent in for this role that it wasn't appropriate for, right? I want you to stand out as, wow, this person's business value accomplishments jumped off the page and it was a nice looking page. You can have a nice looking page without overdoing the graphics. In fact, a lot of times overdoing the graphics diminishes your ability to have a nice looking page. It's what designers spend a lot of time learning is how to create graphics that that add value, that tell a story, not just graphics for the sake of graphics. So we're going to continue on with our discussion here around the next great thing that you may or may not want to do on your resume when we return from our break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Great leaders today have certain capabilities that set them apart. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. 
Now you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership, hosted by Kate Ebner, is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these stories and concepts every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about before you do that cool new thing, on your resume, ask this. So before you go and follow that great advice that you're reading in the latest Forbes or Fast Company, we want to ask ourselves this. Does that make sense for my target audience and my position? Trends change, and that's great. It's good to know what they are. However, it doesn't always mean it's appropriate for you and sometimes it doesn't even really mean it's a, it's actually that great. It's just something that somebody decided was cool and maybe it's even getting some press because it's outlandish. However, you may not want to be outlandish, right? So we've talked about using that first person language that it, I would say on the whole, is still going to be considered unprofessional unless you're applying to a more hip contemporary company very appropriate in a cover letter, very appropriate. And in fact, I would recommend it on LinkedIn, in a resume, that formal document, not needed and not needed to tell your story, right? There are still a lot of catchy things that you can do. And most importantly, telling the story of your accomplishments to be unique, to be authentic, to tell your story that doesn't require that first-person language. Here or there, sometimes I definitely do use it on a resume. Usually not in that summary section. Again, the summary section in the world of trends, the summary section is actually getting shorter and, and more even kind of compressed down to taglines and statements and quick accompl- accomplishments versus that kind of flowery language. So using that first-person language in the summary may actually pit you against, I would say, a more overarching trend, which is to cut down on the flower in that summary. Sometimes at the end, especially if someone's 
talking about a, a few key accomplishments that aren't necessarily work-related, like finishing marathons or whatever, tiny little blurbs you may want to put at the bottom of a resume to give some personality. Sometimes I'll use the first person there. Don't want to be overly stilted with language just for the sake of it. The other thing we've talked about is infographics and that the infographic resume is, I would say, segmented for those of you who graphics make sense for. Otherwise, I am using graphics on resumes where it makes sense. Sales graphs, income graphs, whatever it might be that makes sense for your role. However, again, we have to know that those graphs or the data in them is not going to make it through a tracking system, an applicant tracking system, unless it's somewhere embedded in the actual written content as well as in that graphic. Nice, clean look to your document with formatting that draws the eye to the most important content is still going to get you miles and miles ahead here in the U.S. versus trying to do that infographic resume. And if you are thinking it's appropriate for you to do an infographic resume, look at some and figure out how you can do graphics that tell a story that actually is relevant for you, your career, and that target employer. One of the other cool new things that's come out, very inventive, is some completely other different things to do besides an actual resume. So there was an article talking about all of these creative things you can do with your resume. You could Google candy wrapper resume and probably come up with that article. And these are great things that are an additional part of your package. They do not replace a resume, even though people call them that. So for instance, you might send this candy wrapper. It was a, obviously someone had designed graphically and printed and created a candy wrapper to go around a, a Snickers bar or whatever. And I would recommend if you do that, you put it over the regular wrapper. So, you know, the person on the other end might actually eat it versus thinking, huh, they opened it, then rewrapped it. Not so sure about that. Anyways, they created a wrapper where instead of the nutritional information, it included their details, experience, skills, whatever you might want to do. Very creative very good way to get looked at, is not going to replace a resume, right? It's a good way to catch someone's eye. I have a client that created a packaging product for a packaging product company, very similar, had his key points on that product that he'd created and sent to them. They're going to say, great, you stand out. Hopefully you stand out in a good way. We'd love to talk with you further. Can you send us your full resume? Right? Two different things. That interest catcher little snippet piece of your resume that you've done something creative with. And then you're going to have your normal resume that they're going to send to HR for the process of hiring. 
So when we think about our resume itself, the what's acceptable in terms of length is constantly shifting. Probably 10 years ago, you maybe had to have that one-page resume. And then it was, okay, if it was two pages, and then it was however long you need. And now there seems to be kind of a trend and a pushback to that one-page resume. And people are stating that, you know, we need to get to this one-page resume because everybody's looking at it on mobile. Little heads up here, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, most HR departments are not mobile. Their websites, their career pages where you apply, only 50% of them are mobile. Actual, where you can do anything good on your phone, let alone that they're using mobile to do the hiring. Yes, if you email somebody your resume, of course they're going to pull it up on their mobile. And you just need to make sure it's easy to skim through. Not too text dense, which actually might mean that it ends up being longer so that you can have some white space. You want to see how your resume looks on mobile? Pull it up on yours. Right? It's a great way to see how it looks. However, I wouldn't go in putting a lot of effort around creating that you know, one page skimmed down resume unless it makes sense for your audience. Most hiring managers are still looking for a good amount of content because they have so many qualified candidates that they need content to decide who gets an interview. They can't simply say, oh, only five people who are qualified applied, so they all get an interview. They need more content to be able to make that decision. Of course, they're going to look at LinkedIn, but they want a little bit of different kind of content there. More story, more personable. They still need the facts and figures on your regular old resume that they can put into that wonderful circular file, which, yes, most HR departments still have. So when you think about your resume and its length, it's a little bit more complex does it need to be one page? If you're a more experienced professional, one page could actually do you some harm, right? If everybody else turns in two or three pages for that executive position and you throw in a one-page resume, are they going to say, oh, wow, this person's good with space? Or are they going to say, hmm, I'm not sure this person has enough experience to do what we want them to do? That's our dilemma. And we're in definitely a great area with this at the moment. But I would say that most people are still submitting a two-page resume for a manager, director level position, two to three pages for an executive level position. And you maybe have that one-page kind of overview marketing sheet that you also have in your back pocket when it's appropriate at that level. Getting overly worried about how your resume works on mobile, you're probably two to three years ahead of where HR is today. Look at it on your phone, see what you think, mess around with the white space, but I wouldn't get overly worried about that mobile resume yet. It's the 
from what I've seen, HR technology is just not there yet. They're trying. They're catching up, but they're just not there yet. We're going to get into another subject very similar. That cool new thing is to not have a resume at all, right? Doesn't your LinkedIn profile do that? It's a different part of the process. When you are applying to a position, a person might see you on LinkedIn and decide to reach out to you. They're still going to ask for a resume. Why? Go into LinkedIn and print off your profile. And you'll be amazed at the length and the hard to maneuver. And it's a PDF. Right? There's no way as an HR manager I'm going to print out your LinkedIn profile and put it in my circular file so that I can back up and say I did my research before I hired you. And most HR departments are still required to do that, that they did their research, that they followed their equal opportunity laws, whatever it is, their rules, their regulations require them to have some documentation and a LinkedIn profile captured at one point in time is probably not going to meet that need in terms of their regulation. So a LinkedIn profile is definitely part of the picture, but it does not replace a resume yet until it can be verified and stamped and printed easily or however HR is going to move into the next century <laughs> eventually and go paperless. But from what I've seen, they're just not there yet. Too many T's to cross and I's to dot for that process to be streamlined in the way that we all think maybe it, it could be or should be. At this point, it's just not there. So we're going to take another short break here and come back and talk about a few other cool new things you may be seeing done on resumes and whether or not they're for you. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. 
Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we've been talking today about things that are in the news as this cool new thing you should do on your resume and how we might think through that a little bit before we jump. So we talked about using first person, we've talked about infographics and other cool attention-getting things that people are doing. And we've talked a little bit about length of your resume thinking through how that might appear to an employer as well as not having one at all, right? I'm going to use my LinkedIn profile. And for those two things, I think it's just realizing that there are a lot of pieces, just like a car. If you're going to buy a mid-price to expensive car, there's a lot of different ways you're going to learn about that car, right? You're going to go online look at the specs that are there, then you might go in and you're going to maybe at that brochure, right, the multi-page brochure that goes through everything, and then you might actually do a test drive. So thinking about that in terms of the interview process, employers might go online and check you out. They might do that before they ask for your longer brochure, or they might do it to add to that brochure once they have it, depending on which direction that process goes, with that brochure being your resume, right? And then they're going to interview you, which would be, of course, that test drive. So you want to think about your brochure and what makes sense based on your level. What does, what, where should you be? And I had a resume writer in one of my sessions recently who was saying, you know, every resume should be one page. And I said, well, what level of people are you working with? Oh, people on the manufacturing floor. Well, of course, one page resume makes sense for people on the manufacturing floor, right? That's appropriate length for that position. That does not mean that the same company hiring an operations manager or manufacturing engineer would expect a one-page resume from those people, right? They pay more, perhaps, require a different skill set, require more experience, require more 
training, specific certifications, all of those things add to the necessity of you having more than one page for your resume. Now, when we think about LinkedIn, it's of course a piece of the puzzle, but it's not right now anyways going to replace the resume. You can use your LinkedIn profile to apply to a position, which is great. It's one of the few ways that an employer is able to, at this point, go mobile until they decide to develop their own mobile app, which I think employers that decide to do that in the next year or so are going to be few and far between. But they can use LinkedIn, and you can apply via LinkedIn, sending your LinkedIn profile to them. It just depends on the employer whether that's going to be enough or whether they might ask for your resume, but I wouldn't expect that that LinkedIn profile application is going to fulfill the full gamut of hiring, re hiring requirements for most companies. That's how they'll get that first picture, they'll screen, decide if you're qualified, and then they will probably still ask for your resume, again, because it's more succinct, it's easier to pass around to their hiring people, it's easier to print for their circular file, which a lot of HR people are still doing, or even if they're going to save it in a computer file, less pages, less stuff to store, and something you've certified as being true versus your LinkedIn profile being a web page is not going to cut it in terms of legal requirements for most companies at this point. One of the other strange things that's coming up on resumes, perhaps because of LinkedIn, is a new trend of putting your picture on your resume. I would say no. <laughs> and maybe if you're a pharmaceutical sales rep or something, a realtor, something where that picture is part of the industry, but our general everyday people, no. Still too many, again, legal issues, equal opportunity issues. People don't need that additional temptation for it to be considered discrimination whether or not they hire you. In fact, one of the trends that I'm seeing, again, in the news, and who knows how far it will go or if it's appropriate, is companies moving away from sharing any information with their hiring teams when they're doing their process. So the HR person might see your resume but then they're actually whitewashing it at some companies, taking off your name, taking off your school names, those little pieces of information which they found a lot of people base decisions on that don't actually have any correlation to your success in that job. So obviously that's just a small trend, but it's so opposite of this trend of putting on your picture then I would say we play it safe and, and we just don't worry about the picture. That's kind of an old school thing. So especially if you're an older guy or gal and you're doing it, one, you're showing me your age and your picture, which yes, I could get on LinkedIn, but make me go there and at least get more information about you as well. 
And two, you're maybe showing that you're not up with technology and trends because you're still putting that picture on there, which most of us would consider to be an old school thing or an international candidate thing. Most American companies and or global companies probably don't want to see your picture at this point. So these cool new things that you can do on your resume, just want to think about, do they make sense? Do they make sense for you? I would say one of the other kind of old school things that's circling back up is leaving dates off of your resume. Now, I'm not talking about leaving the date off your education because it was in the 80s. That's pretty commonplace. But maybe that's seeped into this idea that we don't need any dates or that we can have this marketing piece. And since it's a marketing piece, it doesn't need any dates. But I can tell you that the number one thing employers are looking for when they look at your resume is title, company, dates. They want to see that structure. Where have you been? What have you been doing? That's the facts that they're looking for when they look at that resume. And so if we're hiding those, it, it's going to hurt us. They don't need to be, the first thing they see, definitely don't need to be on the left of your resume, which is also a strange trend that I'm seeing. Those dates on the left-hand side, maybe it's some cool throwback hipster thing. Dates aren't great marketing for any of us. They belong on the right-hand side, they can actually be tucked in right next to your title and company if you want, or of course they can be out aligned to the right. Trouble with putting them out to the right is of course they call a lot of attention, and again, that's not what we're marketing. We're marketing our title perhaps, and our relevant experience perhaps, and our companies if they're relevant, although people can go a little bit far on that one, marketing their companies instead of themselves. The dates, if we've got a nice work history, we might bump them out there to the right, but it's still not marketing what we've done, the value we bring. The amount of time we've spent at a company really has very little value to most hiring managers today. Whether it's too long, then you're stuck in your ways and you don't know how to change, or it's too short and you're a job hopper, right? You almost can't win with those dates. They don't belong on the left. They can go right after the company title information, or of course they can go out there on the right. If you're looking for a cool new hipster thing to do on your resume, I would not recommend the dates on the left being that decision in terms of, of that neat new thing you're going to do. Those dates on the left are, are in the cool new hipster resumes as well as inserting your picture as a graph, or your name, sorry, inserting your name as a graphic. This has the same issue that graphics in general have in your resume, right? It, it won't go through the applicant tracking system. It may not show up on the other end. I mean, think about graphics in a document, they move around. So although there might be things you want to do that with, a, a graph, a sales graph, some of those pieces, 
your name is probably not something I would choose to do that with. I want your name to get through that applicant tracking system. I want your name to show up where you want it to on that document when the other person opens it so that it doesn't get lost. And you can put shading behind your name. You can use a fancy font, although I'd be careful with that, and that will be our last trend that we talk about here after our break. There's a lot of things you can do to dress up your name without making it a graphic that will cause these issues. So we'll take a short break here and be back and talk about one or two final things that you might be hearing about that you should do with your resume that you'll want to ask yourself, does that make sense for me and my target audience? We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we are talking about doing that cool new thing on your resume. So recap, we've talked about first person, infographics, one page, going to one page, how do you decide? Not having one, doesn't a LinkedIn profile work? Putting on a picture, 
leaving off dates, putting those dates on the left in some kind of hipster style of your resume. And lastly, we're going to talk here about fancy fonts. So this kind of came along with the whole idea of personal branding. Great topic, great thought. How are you different? How are you unique? How do you bring value? And then somehow it worked its way into this idea that you should have your own color, which can be great, right? There's a, a questionnaire you can take and it tells you what color lines up with your brand. We can use color on a resume. However, then it kind of went into this deep, dark place of that you should create your own font. This is something they teach designers in design school, right? So that they can be unique to create their own font. The thing that a designer has going for them when they create a book cover or whatever it might be with their cool font is that that font is not going to not show up on their client's computers, right? They're the ones delivering a finished product. You delivering your resume, most of the time in Word, a Word document, not in PDF. PDF can be great for some things, but a lot of times people might not have the reader if it's on their phone, or it won't get scored in an applicant tracking system in PDF. So most of the time you're gonna to wanna to send a Word document with your resume. And if you've created your own cool font, guess what? It won't show up on that person's computer. It'll be converted into these fun little things called wingdings, which are squares and other characters that most people, I would say 99.9% .9 of people can't read, translate, comprehend. So creating your font may sound cool, if you're a designer and you're doing design, great. However, still on your resume, choose that common font. There, any of them that you can select from the drop-down menu will work on someone else's computer. So no getting fancy there and creating your font, especially, especially for your name, as we just talked about with the trend of putting your name into a graphic may not go through, may not show up, won't go through an applicant tracking system. So let's talk about some of the trends that you may be hearing about that I would say are less volatile than some of these trends we've just talked about. First, that summaries are getting shorter, as I mentioned earlier. The flowery paragraphs, the, the introduction to yourself has gotten short, snappy, kind of marketing-like or tagline-like statements in the summary versus that long and flower. Accomplishments can work great in a summary, short, snappy, not too many of them, and not the whole story. That belongs further down in your resume document. Live links. Live links are fine in your resume. Obviously, I can click on them and it will pull up the LinkedIn profile. If you're going to put your LinkedIn profile link on your resume, it needs to be customized, personalized. If you don't know how to do that, you can Google how to customize your LinkedIn URL, or you can send me an email, murray at astrategicadvantage.com, and I'll send you short little instructions on how to personalize your LinkedIn URL. Live links will go through an applicant tracking system. They'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
the other thing that is good in your resume is well-placed or well-used graphics, right? They're not going to make it through an applicant tracking system, but they'll still be there when that individual pulls up your actual resume in the system. If it's a sales graph, it's a income graph, an assets under management graph, when it makes sense for your position, they can be very well placed and well done. However, you still want to capture in some way that data, maybe in a different format, a different way of stating it, maybe it's percentages instead of actual numbers, in the content of your resume, especially if you're applying online. You need those keywords, you wanna make sure that content gets through in addition to having the graphic that goes along with it. Color. Color is a an okay thing to use on your resume. You want to use it tastefully. You want to, again, think about where is it drawing the eye? Does that color align with the company you're applying for? Maybe it's part of their brand colors. Is it part of your brand color? It's nice when it has some meaning behind it as you're choosing and selecting that color for your resume, but it's definitely something that you can use. Helps it look more like a marketing document and have maybe a little bit of that infographic feel without getting overly cutesy or overly crammed with graphics that may or may not actually speak to that employer in the way that you want them to. So those those graphics, that color can be used. We just want to use it in some ways sparingly, strategically maybe is the better word. How are you going to make sure that those elements create and back up and craft your story instead of detracting from it or just creating something busy that doesn't work? The last thing here is video. So I'd say video resumes, kind of a myth, don't exist, nobody's watching them. However, video is very important as part of your overall branding package. Obviously, it's not going to be on a resume, and I would not encourage you to spend the time or money making a quote-unquote video resume where you talk about yourself for 90 seconds. Nobody cares. What does work in video is a, a video of you presenting something where you've linked it to your LinkedIn profile, right? You can upload that media to your LinkedIn profile. A video of you talking about your subject matter expertise in something, again, sharing some knowledge. Um, Even a voiceover of a slide share can kind of fill that video gap. Again, sharing your knowledge, sharing your story, but not verbatim sharing that narrative of your resume, right? And and even your elevator pitch, you got to be careful. Is it really interesting or is it just campy? How, how do you walk that line? And something that adds value and really showcases your subject matter expertise is going to be much more engaging and watched and valued by an employer than 60 or 90 seconds of you talking about yourself, So when you're thinking about video, yes, very important, definitely a critical trend and not necessarily the way you might be thinking about that quote unquote video resume. 
even the video bios, if you go to my website, I've got a video bio. It's kind of old now, and it's four minutes long, and four minutes is like an eternity in video now, right? We're talking 60 to 90 seconds, and and so soon I need to redo it, but that's that's life, right? Video is important, short, sweet, subject matter expertise preferred over you talking about yourself. How can you incorporate that as part of your package, part of your brand, and something that employers may see? Linking it to LinkedIn, great place. Obviously, you have it on YouTube. How can you make something that's interesting and demonstrates your expertise rather than just talking about it. If you have any thoughts or you see another article about that cool new thing that you should do on your resume, please reach out to me, let me know, and I'm happy to answer any questions and and get back to you with what my thoughts are. And I'll look forward to seeing you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Until then, you can always reach me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.